We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom. So we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, the college edition, brought to you by Wix.com and FanClash. I'm John McKechnie, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy and college football editor, Mario Puig. Uh, Mario, week nine was pretty wild. You know, we're, st- we're starting to get really down to the home stretch. We had the, uh, we had the playoff rankings get released last night that, you know, caused some, some mayhem when people saw that A&M always. was ranked fourth, you know, uh, you know, as if any of it matters, if it's, if it's. It's Any super important. Look like it at all a month from now. But um, before we get into into the week ten stuff, uh, I just want to hear some of your reactions from last week. I mean, who who uh, was was impressive to you? Who who kind of let you down? Well, yeah, we most memorably had Wisconsin against Nebraska, and uh, we had Utah, Washington, Clemson, Florida State. 
Uh, definitely, I, I last saw that Washington Utah one. Like I left the office when they were somehow losing after previously being up a bunch. Right. Um. So yeah, they ended up winning. Was it Pettis scored on a punt return? Is yes. how they got ahead. So yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's one of those things where you it's it's like a demonstration that uh even if the offense, even if the defense falter, it's like you can't rule out Washington because they have Ross on kick returns, Pettis on punt returns. They're both probably like top ten at those at those functions nationwide so they're looking like i don't know what reason they wouldn't be able to compete with like you know the at least be the closest to being worthy of competing with like the michigans and alabamas because they, they obviously don't have that brute strength and, and ridiculous uh, nfl talent stuff going on but they're they're a really good team really well balanced and they beat uh, a tough team on the road there to, to win that one uh, Clemson, Florida State. I guess was that like a three-point spread? It was uh, four. So oh, okay, my Noel's got the cover there. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, so that that was impressive. B- both teams really, but yeah. especially Clemson. I mean, if they can go on the road to beat a team like that, uh, a focused, uh, you know, off the bye Florida State team, then it's like, yeah, maybe maybe for the second year of the row, they're the best uh, the best bet to beat Alabama. Uh, Michigan will have their say with that, but yeah, I was a little disappointed in Wisconsin. Uh, that quarterback rotation they do is terrible right. idea. It doesn't make any sense, and I think it would have been a, I think it would have been a regulation game, not an overtime game, if they had just let Hornerbrook play that entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's if that's what they're going to do now. I guess uh, you know I'm, I'm going to knock them down a little bit in my in my rankings because that's that's just the stupid thing to do. It it, it only obstructs disrupts the offense. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, I, I guess uh, yeah, that that was basically what I took away from that one. Okay, yeah, and for for me, or when uh, when Washington lost the lead uh, to Utah for a little bit there, I, I you know just kind of blurped out in the in the office. Like, is that the first time that they have uh, been trailing this year? And you pointed out like maybe they were losing to Arizona at some point, and then we were both in a way correct. Like uh, Washington hadn't trailed in a game uh, since that Arizona game, and that was the second time all year period that they have trailed in a single game. So I thought that was pretty, pretty, uh, a wild statistic there. So Washington, uh, it's funny how they get ranked fifth last night. And I think it, it comes on the fact that not that they're, uh, like a bad team or anything, but the, like the, those pre- like expected good wins that they've had, uh, you know, like if, we, if you looked at their schedule before the season started, it's like, okay, they get Stanford and Oregon back to back weeks. Like that's how we're going to know that they're real or not. And, both of those teams have just like slipped on a banana and like completely fallen. So the, those wins just don't look as impressive right now. But I think that Utah win uh, on the road is extremely strong for them. And I think uh, a big factor to me is if USC keeps playing well and Washington's able to beat them and they go into the Pac-12 championship game undefeated then and they win the Pac-12 championship, then I don't think there's any way you can kind of keep them out of the playoff. Right. Uh, A&M is a West division, right? Correct. And this, so, yeah, if, I think that Pac-12 championship and the exclusion from the SEC championship on A&M's part should, assuming Washington wins the Pac-12 championship, that is, then that that should probably even it out because yeah they're, they're it's like the yeah they, if they if part of their problem is like they're just beating down their own strength of schedule yeah exactly like, yeah. and and uh, I guess you know it'll be later in the season but that Auburn Alabama game if Auburn somehow pulls that off I think then like all hell breaks loose as far as the yeah. West in, in the uh, SEC championship game is uh, you know is concerned uh, a couple other disappointments. Uh, we we kind of talked up Baylor 
after kind of talking them down for a while, and then uh, we got our comeuppance for that, or at least I did. I, I said on the radio that I, I was starting to be of the opinion that Baylor was just going to be able to take care of business pretty easily against Texas. I thought that that three-point spread was was sort of odd and uh, turned out to be uh, pretty prescient because obviously Texas was able to beat Baylor. Uh, Boise State went down to Wyoming. Uh, there wasn't home cooking this time around, so mm-hmm. Wyoming was able to pull off the win. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, Ohio State, uh, another sloppy game from them. I mean, right, this yeah. is this is becoming a trend. I mean, it's three weeks in a row that they, they, they escaped the one in Wisconsin. Uh, they did. They weren't so fortunate against Penn State at Penn State. Uh, they they really just kind of let uh, Northwestern hang around with them. They didn't really get any momentum going on offense whatsoever. And this week, you know, they're they're going to have a Nebraska team coming to town. Uh, you know, we'll get more into that game a little bit later, but. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, they're going to need to wake up at some point if they, if they want to, you know, if they want to go with one loss into that Michigan game that'll kind of decide the East. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't able to watch their last two games, but I, I would have to kind of guess that if if they are lacking something truly right now, it's just the downfield element of the offense. They, right. they have a lot of between the tackles with Weber and, and Samuel and certainly a lot of uh, horizontal elements with, with Samuel. But they haven't had uh, Noah Brown. Yeah, really. Noah Brown hasn't been all that, and Corey Smith has been playing with a wrist. Right. So, like when we saw like the truly unstoppable Urban Meyer offenses of a couple of years ago, it's like yeah, they had they had Zeke, but they also had Devin Smith. Right. He's and they like haven't twenty five yards a catch type of deal. Yeah, like they haven't replaced that downfield element. So I, I just don't. Maybe it's Barrett's not uh, finding the openings, both a runner and passer, because the, the safeties are closer and the receivers aren't getting as much separation. I don't know. Either way, I do expect them to clobber Nebraska, who I just don't think is very good, and I think definitely used up all their tricks in, a, in an exhausting, uh, you know, extended and, and very physical game against Wisconsin. So I, th- I think I think the burnout factor will definitely be in Ohio State's favor for that one. That's true. I think that that's definitely in play. Um, and then you know the the sort of Power Five conference that officially I think uh, buried itself. Uh, last week, along with Baylor, is West Virginia. I thought that West Virginia was sort of like their last hope to to maybe you know make an argument, yeah. and they obviously fell flat. I mean, it's not like Oklahoma State's a bad team. It's not like that's like a terrible no, no. loss on its face. But you know, we we just had been expecting more from a team that was able to do things like shut shut down a Texas Tech offense while they were on the road, or completely make TCU look like idiots. You know, like. Th- right. Just expected a lot more from. Basically, them. I was let down by their defense in that one, and uh, it, it, some of it was just kind of like bad luck. I saw like one of the Skylar Howard interceptions that got returned, basically for a touchdown. It set up a touchdown from like the three or something. Mm-hmm. It was just off of the hands of I think Karan White, maybe Durante. I don't know, um, but it's yeah. It, it was some sometimes stuff like that happens, and as you said, Oklahoma State was never a bad team, so. It was it was just a dangerous spot for West Virginia, and they Definitely. weren't up for it. Yeah, so that was unfortunate for them. So, uh, you know, we're not the first person to people to say this, but the Big Twelve is looking probably on the outside, looking in here. And then uh, just a quick shot at, at Georgia. Uh, they looked absolutely, or they just got absolutely embarrassed by Florida on Saturday. There's not really much else to say other than they're probably going to lose to Kentucky this week. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't that, know. That's a send. I mean, they lost to Vanderbilt at home. I, I, nothing will surprise yeah, me at yeah. this point. They, they, lose they had to. They had to eke one out against Nickel State in Week Two at home as well. So yeah, it's, oh man, I just find Kentucky so inept. But I guess Kirby Smart Trust is me. Kirby's he sees your ineptitude. And Kirby is definitely closer to uh, I guess Stoops 
brother on on the coaching scale than you know like a McIlwain or something. Yeah, that that much uh, I am sure of. Uh, so without further ado, uh, we'll move past the the horribleness that was that Georgia game and and go on to uh, now we're in the portion of the season where we get football like every night of the week, which is fantastic. Tonight, we got some action going on. We got Toledo, 10-point favorites on the road against Akron, over-under of 72 points. I guess Akron might have been looking ahead a week last week, but they still lost in a kind of embarrassing fashion to Buffalo. Who yeah, They got smoked by Buffalo. Yeah, they, they were getting, Johnson ran for almost 300 yards. Right, start to finish in that game, Like I don't understand how... Buffalo's defense was so bad, and Thomas Woodson actually showed a lot of promise as a passer before that game, and he just... At one of one of the biggest letdowns I've, I've I can recall from a player in the past few years. So I don't know what to make of Akron. They seem like a wild card, and uh, I I guess ten points is a lot for a team going on the road. But Toledo, I don't think is a wild card. I, I think like they should be able to at the very least score on Akron. Right. And with with the Akron offense as dysfunctional as it was last week, I have a lot of trouble believing that they're going to keep up with Toledo even vaguely. So. I'll I'll take Toledo to cover that, even though it is a lot of points. And then uh, you know your guy Cody Thompson just continues to to uh, play extremely well. He's up to forty two grabs on the season for nine hundred seventeen yards and nine touchdowns. I mean that's pretty unbelievable. And I think you you tweeted out earlier in the week, uh, you know his splits from over his last twenty games or something, and they were just pretty remarkable. Right, yeah, I don't have the numbers offhand, but it is it, basically what's what's so interesting about Thompson is how he's doing it on such a low target volume. The target volume is up this year to 5.3 catches per game, but last year he was doing it on just like three, four catches behind uh, Corey Jones at the time mm-hmm. and Alonzo Russell. Uh, but even even that even last year he was doing something crazy like 13 yards a target. And this year he's doing the exact same thing. Basically, the scale of targets is up, um, but he, the efficiency won't drop. And like he's he's, I, I haven't seen enough of him to get an idea of like he's if he's as much of a burner as his numbers imply. Right. But like he's at the very least shown a, a kind of consistent downfield. He, he produces like the yardage numbers of a player catching at least one and a half times the number of receptions he actually gets. So to sustain that for 20 games is something that I don't really recall seeing. And if I had, it was from guys who had like lower volume, like Devin Smith. Right. Um, but yeah, Thompson's basically doing like workhorse volume of yardage on just, yeah, the, like five target, six target a game type volume. That's yeah, pretty remarkable stuff. So, you know, for, for all you, you know, kind of draft Knicks out there, remember the name Cody Thompson, you know, because he's definitely an interesting guy right now. Um, then moving on to Thursday, uh, we got... Buffalo at Ohio. Ohio's actually been playing pretty well this year, and they, and uh, so I think they they do kind of deserve this twenty point favorite um, against a Buffalo team. Uh, I think that uh, Ohio and and sorry, uh, the over under is at forty eight and a half, so they're expecting a little bit of defense to be played in this one, and Ohio to just sort of dominate. But I feel like what Buffalo can do, you know, as as evidence last week is, you know, if if uh, Johnson uh, is able to run the ball effectively, uh, that's like a huge, huge boon to their offense because they don't really, or they're not really able to throw it very much. But Ohio is one of the better run defenses yeah. in the in the entire MAC. So I don't, I think that they're just going to key in on stopping the run, and I think that's going to make Buffalo throw. And I think that's when they're going to get into some serious trouble and, and revert back to that Buffalo team that we've seen for most of the year. So I think Ohio uh, might be able to mash them tomorrow. Yeah, I can't remember his name. I think it's Tyree Jackson or Johnson, the Buffalo quarterback who's a rookie uh, freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, and Ohio against MAC teams is allowing three point two, uh, or sorry, two point nine yards per carry, two touchdowns allowed on one hundred and eighty one carries. So, uh, like you said, Buffalo, if they can't run and they're forced to pass, it's easy to imagine things unraveling, which it, it should happen. It's worth mentioning that Ohio, uh, the running back who's who's been breaking out lately is Dorian Brown. Yep, uh, definitely worth picking up in season long if you need some help uh, this week. He's he's pretty highly ranked for us at running back uh last week 29 carries against toledo for 212 yards and a touchdown had 12 carries for 110 yards and a touchdown before that he's clearly broken out a bit there is there is a risk of they have a few good running backs actually who are just kind of hurt all the time right uh brown was relatively recently a part of the the hurt group but he's been healthy guys like malik irons and poppy white i don't know what their statuses are but they could steal carry so i'm not expecting brown to be like a 25 carry guy but he's he's been really explosive and at least at least this game is a, is a perfect matchup for him okay yeah i see that i think poppy white like uh, he was more i think he was a little bit more featured in the run game last year i think he might be a little bit more on the special teams element of things right now but you know he's a chris thompson basically washington redskins reference oh my god an nfl reference and then um yeah, so I I think we both agree that, that Ohio's going to be able to get it done on Thursday night. Uh, then we got Arkansas State, only three-and-a-half-point favorites, going to Georgia State. Arkansas State coming off a pretty big blowout win over, I believe, Louisiana Monroe, but Louisiana Monroe might be the worst of the worst. This this game is gross-looking. Uh, yeah. Georgia State is like just good enough on defense to be like a pain if you're a team of Arkansas's offense of skill level. Uh, Warren Wan's stepping up a bit. The, their quarterback, Justice Hansen's getting some traction, but I'm not convinced they're going to get more than like 20 points up in this one. And meanwhile, yeah. Georgia State, uh, their quarterback, Connor Manning, who I think is a Utah transfer, hasn't been very good. He's been uh, banged up. Too. Right. He was hurt last week. I, I they, have, they haven't had a running game in four years or whatever. Uh, even the receiving game is inconsistent. Penny so. Hart's out for the year, too. Who's right. that? Penny Hart's out. Oh, yeah. Year. Penny Hart's been gone since like the second week, and everybody else, I mean, Penny Hart's really good, so it's not their fault, but they're not as good as him. So, exactly. uh, yeah, this is a disgusting game. I, I'll say Georgia State covers, but or sorry, uh, Arkansas State covers, it's, it's up to five point favorites there oh, just because okay. they, they have some speed. They have some people who can run, and Hanson can apparently throw a little bit. Yeah. You can't really like say a, the same for Georgia like, State. He had like four touchdowns last week, over 300 yards in the air, I believe. So, yeah. He, can, good, he but... can pass. He just, he didn't start the year because he's not a good fit for that system, which wants a runner, which he isn't. But true. Yeah. All right. So, we, we both think that Arkansas State nudges it out ugly. Uh, then we, we got one of the better ish games we, we don't have a great thursday slate this week but uh it was a, it was a marquee name here at least uh we got oklahoma uh sans joe mixon right uh, so uh ever the ever the you know good judgment up. boy yeah joe mixon uh i don't know the, I'm, I'm i'm imagining there's a little bit more than as it was relayed but tore up a parking ticket in front of a whatever parking lot attendant or officer Who hasn't wanted to do that right <laughs> um yeah he, he he's got a bit of a history you can find out more on the internet um but he's gonna be gone uh pirine's probably not gonna be there so it's abdul adams who has only 5.2 yards per carry on 41 carries this year but he's been getting a little bit active the last couple of weeks with pirine out uh iowa state should not be able to stop him and adams is like a borderline five-star recruit this year like very high four at least yes. so uh, he should have a really big game in this and he's definitely worth plug and play in a season-long context absolutely yeah i was you know looking at some of his of his tape earlier he looks like he's got uh the kind of skill set that 
with, that is going to translate and make him a, a star moving forward, especially once Mixon and, and P. Ryan are, are out of the picture for Oklahoma. So uh, definitely a promising guy. I don't see a ton of drop-off as far as their rushing production goes. Uh, Not in this Thursday game, night, least, no. Yeah. So uh, that, and I think that that's kind of reflected in, in the fact that Oklahoma is still 20.5-point favorites on the road. Um, so I, we, I don't think either of us give Iowa State much of a chance to, to keeping this close, even if things can like get a little bit funky in aim sometimes. The Oklahoma pass defense has been startlingly bad, so at least I think Alan Lazard should get going, but uh, I think Mike Warren might be out. And uh, anyway, I Iowa State's def- ankle last week. Yeah, either way, Iowa State's defense is not going to put up much resistance, and, and best as I can tell. And I think Iowa State had Jacob Park playing for a decent bit of last week's yeah. game at quarterback, and that that's always just a pretty big issue so uh, yeah I think Oklahoma should be able to take care of business there as well Um, and then one of the bigger injury notes of the entire season factoring into this upcoming game here uh, we got UCLA traveling to Colorado Colorado uh, 13 point favorites at home and if if that seems high it's because uh, UCLA's quarterback who's been out for a little while at this point but now it's like it's getting a little more grave sounding uh you know josh rosen uh sort of like the wunderkind of the 2015 season yeah. quarterback uh number one overall pick since he was like 12 uh, yeah since his first throw against virginia um but now he's got a a nerve issue in his throwing shoulder this and uh jim mora didn't really provide very encouraging things about it things to say about it it, it sounded i mean I'm not a doctor and like this is not a clean comparison by any means but like you know Jalen Smith he's got the he's got the nerve issue in his leg and the the, the question is always like wh- when is that nerve going to start firing again and that's basically what Jim Mora uh indicated on Tuesday of this past week so uh that doesn't sound great yeah hopefully it's not like a Pennington type thing uh uh, R- Rosen could lose some arm strength and still be a totally fine prospect, True. but uh, yeah, hopefully it gets better. Uh, in, in the meantime, I'm still surprised at how big this spread is. Uh, I noticed on covers it says 58% of the picks are on UCLA to to cover it, but it's up to 13 points now, so I guess that means considerable money on Colorado okay. uh, if, if the spread is getting bigger, despite most being uh, for the other side. So. I, I like Colorado a lot. I'm sold that they'll win this. I'm just surprised like how quickly things change, I guess. Uh, yeah, Leo Fowles is really good. Philip Lindsay should have a big game. You see how his run defense has been bad for the, at least the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Lindsay's been going nuts. Uh, Colorado's got three good receivers, but it's really hard to guess which one of uh, Bryce Bobo, Devin Ross, Ross, or Shea Fields will get going. But uh, those those are the three who would do it if anything happens. I, I guess this is pretty much projecting like Colorado's defense shutting down UCLA. Yeah, because I mean we're gonna have the the mix of a of a backup quarterback Mike Fawful, uh going in for UCLA. The receivers haven't been overly impressive, and then you so. You have that, and then their run game has been non-existent, despite the fact that they have Soso Jamaba, who that, I still that, think is talented. I think they all three of those guys are really talented, uh, like Nate Starks and, yeah, yeah. and uh, Bolo Olorofumbi or whatever. Olorofumbi. Yeah, I can't say it. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's so hard. Um, but yeah, all three of those guys, and like to get nothing at... at that, there seems to be some, you know, cultural issues there at UCLA if they're getting that kind of poor return, on, despite having pretty, you know, not USC type recruiting capital but pretty close like they, yeah, they have a bunch close. of talent there yeah so the, this is looking like a um 
it's just a, a pretty lost season for UCLA right now, and I think it's going to you know kind of get another black eye on Thursday night when Colorado takes it to them. I do think Colorado can can cover that spread honestly. Um, moving on to Friday, got a couple quick ones. Uh, we got Central Michigan. Only four point favorites. Falling at, apart. At, They've uh, been bad lately. They are actually. So that's a good point. At Miami of Ohio, forty six and a half point uh, over under. Yeah, Miami of Ohio is kind of doing that Eastern Michigan thing from like last year, where you were like, "Hey, wow, uh, you know they're giving up only half as many points per game as they did uh, the five years prior to this, <laughs> and they still are only scoring seventeen points per game, but they've they've got this just like edge of actual competitiveness that they didn't used to have. Um, they're on the upswing, as subtle as that might. be be the case and and central michigan's definitely stalling right now right uh you'd think a senior quarterback who's been pretty good cooper rush would be able to to get them a win in this case but um miami of ohio seems to have the momentum as far as the program goes but uh yeah i don't really want to make a pick on this game but if i had to i guess i will i'll i'll take central michigan to cover three and a half Fair enough. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't have a ton of. I don't it. really feel strongly about that at all. That's all right. Um, then we got Temple, ten point favorites on the road at UConn. So the only way Temple wouldn't cover ten points is basically by virtue of Connecticut running the clock out really quickly on themselves uh, because they have a very lethargic, run-heavy offense. And I, I, I think that they are throwing the ball a little bit more this year. Certainly, Noel Thomas has been hot. Uh, Really hard to score touchdowns when you're a UConn receiver, but he's doing a ton as far as receptions and yardage go. So if if he gets as much work as I think he will, I kind of like the chances of UConn throwing enough incomplete passes that Temple can get to 10 points. And Temple, in, in terms of just like general effectiveness, I have no doubt will clobber UConn by almost any metric. Like Jihad Thomas is hot right now. Ventil Bryant's hot right now. They're They're just a better coached more talented team yeah UConn I, I don't think is going to put up a ton of resistance there I, I, I see Temple be able to take care of business there uh, then we got San Jose State at Boise State Boise State obviously coming off a disappointing loss but they are still uh, 29 point favorites at home uh, with an over under of 57 and a half points I think this is the best week of running back rankings at the top all year because it was it was really hard to uh, rank like McNichols who I actually have at number one against San Jose State uh, it's easy to imagine a three or four touchdown game in this setting. Uh, but yeah, there's Christian McCaffrey's going against Oregon State, who've oh. been really bad on the ground. Dante Foreman's going against Texas Tech. But yeah, I had to I had I couldn't convince myself that McNichols isn't the top one overall. Yeah, so uh he you know, if if you do have him, obviously you're starting him every week, but like this is the week where he's gonna he's gonna, you know, give you your, your forty or fifty point out outburst. I think San Jose State is Gonna gonna do their best to to stop them. It's just they've not been really, pitiful you know, against the run this year. Out. Five yeah. plus yards of carry. Goodness. All right. So then, uh, rounding this out for the Friday uh, slate, we got BYU seven and a half point favorites against Cincinnati. Two teams that have been that I was like moderately interested in coming into the year that have been just sort of disappointments throughout the way. Uh, Keel, uh, he he's gonna start again, I believe, this week. Uh, he started off pretty hot last week. I think he was like ten of thirteen and ended up like only fourteen of twenty seven. He killed. He gunnered. Yeah, whatever, he really, whatever you want to term it as. He's he will always underachieve eventually. Yep. It is just who he is. So uh I mean, do you think BYU is able to win by more than a touchdown here? 
that's that's kind of a lot of points for them going on the road, and it basically bets on the probability that Jamal Williams is unstoppable. I think we have to do a little bit more investigation into his health because he was a like unannounced scratch against Boise before their bye week. Mm-hmm. So it, they've had a bye, and if he if he's ready to go for twenty plus carries, I like their chances as long as he gets those twenty plus carries. And in the meantime. I mean, Cincinnati can't run on anybody, nope. and the BYU pass defense has given up a lot of yardage and a high completion percentage, but they also have 14 interceptions already this year. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, they have played you know some decent offenses like Toledo, uh, West Virginia, Arizona, Boise State. So yeah. they've they've been they've at least shown they can create turnovers. I think Keel will probably be the kind of we'll guy oblige. to give them a couple. So yeah, I'll I'll take them to cover that, even though it's kind of like a you feel nauseous about it well before we get into into the saturday slate of games we got a message here from wix.com need a website why not do it yourself with wix.com no matter what business you're in wix.com has something for you used by more than 84 million people worldwide wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today you need to get the word out about your business it all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from the drag and drop editor there is no coding needed you don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful you can do it yourself with wix.com wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day when you're running your business own business you're bound to be busy too busy too busy worrying about your budget too busy scheduling appointments too busy to build a website for your business And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. All right, so we have not as many uh, kind of group of five games of of major interest this week. There's a lot of just like ugly uh, best team in in a given conference versus worst team in a given conference type of stuff going on but there are a few that i found pretty interesting yeah um love the aac yes big yeah. time yeah i mean that's i mean it almost feels like it like a power five at this point the way it's going um so we got memphis going to smu SMU, smu's been playing a uh, better brand of football lately but memphis still three-point road favorites it looks like i'll take smu me too yeah. i i think absolutely uh smu's just been playing in a way and i think memphis uh they can be a little bit turnover prone occasionally. It seems like Riley Ferguson uh, can definitely uh, turn the ball over in SMU's secondary, especially. Uh, I've watched them a few times this year. Pretty impressive, and they're, they're really hard hitting. They're really opportunistic. So I think that they're going to be able to turn Memphis over, and I think that's just going to be a huge issue. SMU got some momentum, you know, coming off the Houston win. So I'm going to lean that way as well. I'm not sure about the over under though. Uh, let me see. Well, how much? 64 and a half, it looks like. So both teams can, can throw the ball, but are t- turnover prone. Ben Hicks, the quarterback for SMU, has thrown a lot of interceptions, but he's at least gotten their redshirt freshman James Proche, who was one of their uh, prized three-star recruits last year. He's getting hot, providing a compliment to, to Cortland Sutton, who's been suddenly quiet. Uh, expect him to get going in this one, though, as, as the pendulum swings back. Uh, Looks like Phil Mayhew might be out for Memphis, so Anthony issue. Miller's got to have a huge game. But yeah, I like SMU to win just because Braden West has been so hot on the ground, and Memphis, meanwhile, doesn't really have a, an established run identity. Like they're kind of going toward, going away from their previous feature back, Dorland Dorsius, to these these uh, this firecracker small guy, Daryl Henderson, 
and uh, Patrick Taylor, I want to say the backup. So mm-hmm. they're they're kind of shuffling a little bit going into this, whereas SMU, I think, is more like putting their heads down and then like kind of really figuring out what they are. Yeah, no, it's it's been a been a good turnaround for for Chad Morris and that program in recent weeks. So good for them. Uh, we got North Texas hosting Louisiana Tech. Uh, Louisiana Tech twenty and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, over under sixty six and a half. Really, I just wanted to to mention this because one of like a give North Texas like a slight shout out for for playing pretty good defense as as far as Conference USA is concerned. But then I also just wanted to bring up you know Carlos Henderson and Trent Taylor. Yeah, those guys are going to be in the top of the the wide receiver rankings in any given week. Uh, every week they're active. Uh, Taylor's the automatic workhorse. Henderson's just the back breaking downfield threat who just. He's he's been super efficient and explosive his whole career there, and this year they're finally giving him some volume, and he's going nuts. Yep. Not that I anticipated it to this extent, but yeah, he's there. There was a reason to think he was capable of stuff like this. Higgins, Ryan Higgins was really bad a few years ago when he started, and he didn't do much on the field when he in between then, and he got beat out for the starting job by some not good players. But this year he's been basically perfect. I've, I'm really surprised. Uh, Louisiana Tech looks kind of amazing. I didn't expect it at all. North Texas has not much on offense other than the running back, Jeffrey Wilson, who right. uh, might get something going uh, against even Louisiana Tech if only prevent defense will probably happen by the third quarter. Yeah. And uh, in the meantime, they've shown a little bit of vulnerability on the ground, and Wilson's also just pretty good himself. Right. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't think Louisiana Tech's defense is – outrageously good by any means but i still don't think that north texas can score quite enough to to keep within three scores like like the spread says so right yeah i'll take i'll take tech to cover that all righty and then uh let's see we got east carolina uh traveling to tulsa uh tulsa eight point favorites over under 75 so pretty high scoring game uh is is being expected here uh i just kind of want to turn the floor over to you um just about Zay Jones of East Carolina and, and you know, sort of open people's eyes if they're not already in on this of how amazing of a season he's been having so far. Yeah, if he stays healthy, he's going to probably break the single-season reception record. He's up to 114 catches in eight games. Uh, only has four touchdowns, only 9.6 yards per, per catch, but uh, it's safe to assume he's getting by far the most attention from opposing coverage so yes. that, that he just seems to be catching more passes all the time instead of showing some sign of slowing is is pretty remarkable uh i think he's definitely going to break the record it's 155 by freddie barnes a former bowling green guy uh who that was on a 13 game uh slate by the way so jones should break it in 12 games by about 15 catches Uh, he's, he's on pace for 172 and um he's got a bunch of high tempo matchups including this one like it would not be surprising if he caught 20 passes in this game and the next it's smu uh after this one i think uh, or maybe memphis something like that but th- those are all like 75 plus per game uh offenses yeah this is east like carolina georgia southern just running the clock out on itself like you like to say right yeah and east carolina does like 85 plays a game so like i have no like he's the top receiver play this week for me even with the, the lack of touchdowns the lack of yardage because I, I think you put the over/under on receptions in this game at like fifteen and a half. I mean, in you know, every single week it seems like he's a threat to do that. I think he's up to four or five games already where he has over fifteen catches. It's it's really yeah. remarkable. Nineteen last week. This is my favorite game of this week, by the way. I wish I hope I can see this one because the Tulsa offense is fun to watch too. There should be just there should be like a hundred and seventy plays run in this game. Oh yeah, it's gonna be 
just fantastic. I'm trying to see if, if there is a network coverage on that one. I'll find that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, let's see. Moving on. Um, last one of the smaller games. Uh, we got Utah State at Wyoming. Wyoming, five-and-a-half-point favorites, uh, over-under of 56. So Devontae Mays got eight carries last week, but didn't do much so with them. Progress, like we said, from the week before or whatever. Yeah, he played like one snap and didn't touch the ball the week before that. And I don't know what that means. Like if he's just out there, like he, I, I, I would think it's just like you're either recovered or you aren't. And he's like at best out there right now running on like a badly injured leg and he really shouldn't be. <laughs> it's like, I don't I know what's going on there. But uh, if he can't give it like, 15 plus carries i'm not at all worried about wyoming covering five and a half maybe i should be they i still am a little skeptical like they, they had that obviously great win against boise uh but it, it, it took their tight end hollister getting 144 yards and two touchdowns which normally he's going to do like 20 catches or sorry 20 yards on like two catches right um so something needs to change something needs to stabilize in a, in a more positive sense uh regarding like a, game. yeah second receiver stepping up josh allen being more efficient less turnover prone getting more done on the ground something like that which i'm not ready to bet on but five and a half against utah state who basically have nobody helping kent myers at all and they have to be getting a little bit broken spirited at this point whereas wyoming's more you know on the ups you might have the letdown from the big game the hard-fought game the week before getting overconfident whatever but they got a good coach i think they'll just maintain momentum i think so too i think this you know this is this is a situation certainly where you could see uh you know uh, a team downshifting a little bit after you know kind of taking down the big dog of the mountain west but uh, you know i think utah state's just a little bit too thinned out uh, across the board right now to where to where wyoming is going to drop this one at home or not or you know fail to uh win by more than five and a half points so lean in utah there all right now we're going to move into some of like the like the bigger uh power five games for the week uh we're going to start off with an SEC game, but we got a couple of, of pretty interesting Big 12 games, actually, too, which would be more interesting had the Big 12 not already cannibalized itself before November even started. But, you know, here we go. Um, but we got A&M, 13.5-point favorites on the road at Miss State. Uh, I feel like that's that's sort of low for A&M. Yeah. I feel like A&M is going to pummel, pummel them. I think Miss State is, uh, you know, I can speak from experience as a fan of one of the worst teams in the SEC. I think Miss State is right there too. Yeah, honestly, they're, they're pretty close to like not shutout watch, but like I don't, I'm not assuming they're getting over like seven points in this game because uh, Nick Fitzgerald can't throw the ball, and I don't think that I, I think you need to be able to throw at least a little to stop A and M from just shutting you down as a runner. Yeah, uh, I think they can put single coverage, just like single high safety, and press everybody and blitz everybody else as far as passing goes and against the run, uh, sell out to stop Fitzgerald there. Uh, I, I worry about him like getting benched in this one, multiple turnovers. And meanwhile, like Travian Williams is going to run wild on them, I think, for however many carries they put aside for him. And Trevor Knight, obviously, doing a lot of damage, even though he he is limited as a passer himself. Right, and I think A and M, you know, sort of got its own mini bye week last week. They they didn't play any of the of the important guys for for very much uh, of last week's uh, you know just sort of romp stomp over New Mexico State. So that enabled them to sort of catch their breath a little bit after the Alabama game. So they're they're gonna be fresh again coming into this week. Uh, I think they, they you know they, they pretty much took care of business exactly how you would have wanted to if you're an Aggie fan last week. So this week I think they are gonna you know and now they got the 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 spotlight on them with that number four ranking. I think they are absolutely going to take advantage of that and just 
beat the heck out of yeah, the state. Yeah, I'm thinking like 35 to 10 or 14 or something. Yeah, this one, this one just reeks of just a beat down. Um, then we, all right, the Big 12 games, we got Texas going to Texas Tech. Uh, some Texas player said some interesting comments about Pat Mahomes. Uh, uh, I think week. it was a defensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, something to the effect of we know he's banged up and we need to just you know knock him out of the game. Yeah, that was the defensive coordinator, I think. But uh, either way, what a what a dummy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess an over under of eighty one says that the there's the betting, no defense anyway, so that defensive the, coordinator should lose his job anyway. Well, yeah, the, and also like the betting markets seem to think Mahomes is okay, which I'm not certain of, given like TCU's defense was bad before last week, and somehow they the, like Mahomes was missing deep targets. I guess he missed like multiple easy touchdowns yeah. in that one so if he's not better than that this week why would that get to 81 i, I don't know i mean i love Dev- i think uh dante foreman's gonna go nuts and like even though he does not really anything as a pass catcher i really thought about ranking him number one this week because okay. of visions of chris warren going for 270 and four touchdowns last year uh foreman can do it yeah. foreman's really good and uh Texas Tech has no hope of slowing him. Yeah, nobody had really uh, just shredded Baylor the way that that Foreman did last week. So I, I really think that he's going to be able to have you know something of a repeat performance this week. Um, does Texas Tech hold on? I mean, they you know even if their offense sputtered a little bit last week against TCU, I mean that's still a pretty big win for them. I think it's one that they really needed. Um, I think I, I got to take Texas. I'm not. So I know Cliff Kingsbury is a celebrity or whatever, but I'm not convinced that he has He's very cool sunglasses. Right, he wears sunglasses, lift weights, um, surfs or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't think that he has as good of a grasp on that job as I mean, in security terms. Yes, I just don't think he's as good as people think. Okay. Uh, and they they have this curious number of like disciplinary issues flaring up and like personnel instability. Right, where it's like I I feel like there's issues there. Like Devin Lauderdale seems kind of suspended. Um, and it's that's like the second time in like a year with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another guy; their defensive end is suspended. It looks like. Anyway, I, I think I think uh, at the very least, Texas, their running game and, and Buchel is good enough to win this one because I, I think whatever their flaws are, they'll be in like good form. Uh, Texas Tech, I'm not convinced can execute its its vision of itself if Mahomes okay. isn't right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if if you know this really does hinge on Mahomes, and like you said earlier, the 81 point spread suggests that it, that he is gonna be himself. But you know, you never fully know, especially at this point in the season after you know what he's kind of been able to play through. So uh, I guess I you 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 have kind of convinced me, and I think that. Uh, what Texas is able to do on offense is just going to be able to to possess the ball and but do it quickly and and just kind of overwhelm Texas Tech defensively. So I, Foreman's going to put up passing game numbers. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be like two thirty and two or three touchdowns. I think. Yeah. Okay. So with that, you definitely like Texas to win here, and I, I think I'm on board with that. Um, we got TCU going to Baylor. This used to be like the best game ever. We we right. always used to look so forward to this one. This game has lost a lot of its luster this year, just based on how both teams have played or how their off seasons went or what have you. Um, but you know, we're looking at a game that's you know Baylor at home, seven and a half point favorites, uh, over under sixty nine. So Baylor's pretty beat up right now on offense. Seth Russell had a concussion last week. He's saying that he he should play through it. Jim Grobe is saying he looks like he's fine. 
hopefully we get some rock solid assurance in the form of like, oh, the team doctor guy said, yeah, for sure, he's ready to go. He's had no symptoms, stuff like that. So I'm not I'm not counting on that. It seems like at best we're just going to get these vague assurances because um, why would Grobe say anything more? He doesn't need to tell. He can lie with every single word if he wanted to. Um, but anyway, seven and a half makes me think that like the betting is a little bit skeptical of Russell's health. And if not him, uh, shock Linwood had a hamstring last week. Terrence Williams has something up with his knee. They're both were referred to as being more or less fine, right? But, uh, it's hard to know. We might not hear anything more on either of them too. So seven and a half though. I mean, if, if Russell is healthy, if Russell's in, I'm definitely taking Baylor to cover that. Uh, if, if, the backups in i have no idea zach smith or whatever his name is right. I, I don't know what to make of that but in waco tcu meanwhile is is a mess like kenny they're, hill they're the, gonna the like rotate foster sawyer in that's not gonna work yeah they're, no. they're, they're, the wheels have fallen off uh kyle hicks i don't know what his status is he was hurt last week it's it's a mess at tcu and and baylor as long as russell is on the field i have no doubt they'll they'll clear that seven and a half yeah they, they really should and you know i think the like the fact that uh, West Virginia also lost last week means that Baylor could still, you know, still kind of get the inside track at winning the the Big Twelve. So I think that they're going to definitely take care of business this week. Uh, you know, obviously it becomes a, a slightly tougher task if, if Russell's out. But uh, you know, to to echo your point, just TCU right now is it's been one of my least favorite developments of the season as really far as, it, yeah. you know, because, and, and it looked really good early on, you know, the Kenny Hill, Taj Williams connection looked like it was solid and Turpin uh, was healthy at one point. Now, you know, he's back now, but uh, he only had like four catches for less than 40 yards last week. So just not really the same TCU team we've gotten used to seeing in recent years. And it's been pretty underwhelming. So you got to imagine that Baylor takes it uh, here at home. We got Pitt going to Miami. Uh, Miami three and a half point favorites. Uh, Fifty-eight point uh, five over under here. I kind of like Pitt here. Right, they definitely have more positive momentum. Like they they lost to Virginia Tech, but they made that game a lot closer than I thought it would be. Yep. Uh, they they probably they have reason to believe in themselves a little bit more on offense after putting up that point total on a tough defense like that. Uh, obviously, they're going on the road to face another tough defense here, but Miami has been badly undermined by its offense lately. Yep. Um, sound like I, I, I'm only judging this based on Twitter rage, but it seems like people have kind of turned on Richt for doing a run it two times and throw it on third and seven offense. Oh, that's, uh, a, that's a staple. I've seen that before. <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah, it's the building block of, of the Richt dynasty. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, if you don't convert that third and seven throw or if you don't get you know third and two or second and three every once in a while uh, that can be a problem so uh, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh has a pretty good rushing yards allowed figure that might be deflated significantly significantly by its pass rush which is ruthless uh, but they're not getting any turnovers so they, they need I think they need to get I don't know one or two out of Kea to to, okay. to escape because I'm I'm not convinced that they can stop you know Walton and Yerby and Coley okay that's fair um one thing that I that I did want to bring up, a trend that I've noticed with Miami that, you know, earlier in the year, you know, we we would be previewing a Miami game. It's like, man, they like you cannot run on them. Like it just doesn't happen. I looked at the split from September to October and it's like completely night and day. They're they're they allowed almost five yards of carry in October over five games as opposed to uh, you know, like under two, I think, in three September games. So right. they're really just kind of getting getting uh just run all over 
uh, on. So it's it's re- four straight losses. Coincidentally. Yeah, it's been really really bad for them. And I, I think James Conner showed last week, it, and he's going to have an extra day of rest here because he played on Thursday. He's going to be even fresher than usual uh, going against Miami. I think he's. You know, as much as Miami wants to key in on stopping the run and making Peterman do something, I, I just don't see where where uh, Connor doesn't have a huge day. Yeah, three touchdowns against Virginia Tech was really impressive. It was his best game of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he maybe he's found another gear lately, but yeah, yeah it's yeah, he it, looked faster than I've ever seen him. Yeah, Pitt has so much more momentum. I guess I'll take them to cover because it's a three and a half. Yeah, I mean it's basically yeah. So I think Pitt should be able to get this one going. Um, our Oddly enough, weekly, seemingly, uh, Oregon State discussion. Uh, we got Stanford hosting them, uh, 14 and a half points. I don't know if Stanford can like beat people by 14 and a half that often. I, I think, don't know. I think they can in this case because Oregon State's... Uh, Their bread and butter is the secondary. They're just... They're like a... I don't know what you would call it. They're just made out of like junkyard parts or like they're, they're just, it's really, it's like a really gross version of Baylor last year when they ran like the wishbone in the bowl game. Oh, North Carolina. Yeah. Like Oregon state just has no players. So they go out there and they're just like, uh, yeah, who's, uh, who wants to be quarterback? And Me? like, who is anyone fast? <laughs> is someone fast here? Uh, I but, think I'm fast. So yeah, they're being at Stanford, and and Oregon State's pass defense has been great. It'll be interesting to see if they can cover for what has been a bad run defense, though, uh, because it's if they can't sell out on the run and successfully slow McCaffrey, then yeah, I think I think Stanford could just do something like twenty-one nothing to them. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh, that twenty-one nothing does a really boring does smell twenty-one like it's nothing. Play. Yeah, like I really don't want to watch this game, but oh, uh, it'll suck. It's going to be awful. Yeah, just don't watch it if you, if you can afford that. Um, then we got uh, we got Georgia two and a half point favorites on the road somehow against Kentucky with a uh, fifty-one point. No faith at all under. over here. Oh, none. Um, it's been gone since I don't know, like mid-September. Nichols State. Yeah, yeah um, I think that pretty much got it for me. So yeah, I, I'd like Chubb's chances of getting going in this one though, because Kentucky, for whatever they have going for them, it doesn't involve their defense. Like That's they, true. the defense isn't good. Uh, as long as Chubb isn't like hurting, his knee isn't swelling up or something, I, I just would be shocked if he can't get it going here. Even if they are selling out on the run, all that much easier for him, I think, to split the safeties and pull off an eighty yarder or something. Fair. Uh, so yeah, I'll I'll take Georgia to cover it. Maybe we can see Isaiah McKenzie get going again. Uh, all all Georgia really has to do is try to contain Stanley Williams and Benjamin Snell, which if. Georgia's run defense is pretty good. That's one thing. Right. Yeah, so if they can do that, I really like their chances of basically winning the net rushing battle and, and the, the victory being more or less determined by that. Fair enough. Uh, you know, I think you're, you're making a lot more logical sense to me right now because right now I, I can't imagine a scenario where I, where I think Georgia's going to beat it. Oh, team. no, despair away. Yeah. It's, so. it's a, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I will. And Hoping it, for all the best, but carry on. But, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, Mario brings up good points. Listen to him on that because for me, it just it sounds like Georgia's or it it feels like Georgia's just an abject disaster right now. Um, we got an interesting one here. I think perhaps more interesting than than some Wisconsin fans might want it to be. Uh, our one of our resident Big Badger fans, Chris Benzine, was yeah. telling me in confidence on the on the walk to lunch yesterday that he was worried about this game at Northwestern this week. Oh yeah, I, I would be. I and thought you were going to say he was he was going to be like, yeah, they're going to win by ten. No, I mean um, he, he thinks that they should be like number five in the rankings too, though. So I mean he's he's all over the board. So I saw it open at five and a half. Covers has it up to seven. Okay, uh, six out of ten bets on Wisconsin, I guess. 
Uh, I don't think Wisconsin covers seven, maybe five and a half. I would want something more like two and a half, though. Uh, and they they can definitely lose this one. Like Northwestern is they've a lot. Them several times in a row, haven't they? Yeah, like that's that's the thing. Going to Northwestern, they've historically not been very good there. Uh, Northwestern is a team that doesn't have that much talent, but they've they've always been pretty well coached under Fitzgerald. Right. Uh, they have uh, Clayton Thorson is so much better this year than last year. It's not saying much, but like to his credit, he I mean he is only a sophomore, but fifteen touchdowns to six interceptions after last year just being a complete disaster yeah, factor and uh, it seems like austin carr is truly one of the very best receivers in the whole country like yeah, he, he put up, up on ohio state put up 150 on ohio state i'm gonna go ahead and assume no one got more than like 110 against them before that right through the air so uh wisconsin's defense is great their corners look good but austin carr is looks pretty unstoppable so uh, especially if they're doing that stupid quarterback rotation, I think Wisconsin could blow this. Yeah, no, they seriously could. So I'm, I'm thinking Northwestern at least covers it and makes yeah, everybody sure. in the office just like sweat profusely. Yeah, I th- I, I really think they'll cover that easily. Um, all right, let's move on to Florida going to Arkansas. Florida five and a half point favorites. Arkansas coming off the bye and they're at home, but Florida's still favored here. Yeah, I I don't know. I think Mark Thompson is supposed to be back. Okay, I uh, don't remember. If Cronkwright is also back. Yeah, he started practicing this week again. Okay, I might have to. They would have been fine with just two. Yeah, I might have to move Scarlett down a bit in the rankings because I thought if those two were out or if it was just Thompson who was back, I still could have seen Scarlett doing like 180 on Arkansas, and that's basically the issue. Uh, I think Florida can can stop the the Arkansas running game and can probably. I guess we don't. We got to find out what Austin Allen's injury Uh, situation is. Bielma said he's fine. Okay, so. If he's ready to go, that's that's how Arkansas covers because they need to get something going through the air. I'm still not convinced they can do that. And in the meantime, Florida has a great secondary, right? And in the meantime, Arkansas can't stop Scarlett. So I five and a half is more points than I would like. But if I have to pick a side, I'll pick Florida. Yeah, I lean Florida there as well. I think you know, if anything, uh, Florida can't really throw the ball in its own right and obviously that's gonna make Arkansas want to focus on stopping the run more and especially after they got smacked around so hard by by Auburn everybody. before the bye week yes and also everybody but I mean especially uh getting the record sent on you is probably uh probably stings a little bit but I still think Florida it's not like even one bye week isn't enough to fix all of those problems so I think Florida's gonna be able to run on them and I think it's gonna be able to slow down uh Arkansas on offense so I, I do pick Florida here uh, to to get it, even if it is five and a half. Uh, we got USC hosting Oregon. Uh, what is? Do we have a spread on that? Or no? Yes. Give me. Like oh no, I can seconds. look it up. I was. Uh, let me see. So it looks like it's seventeen. Yes. Um, that's a lot. But mm-hmm. Oregon like showed showed a pulse, you know, last week. Like Herbert, like Herbert actually, seems okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I I gotta go USC though. It still doesn't seem like Freeman's right. Uh, he had another dud game last week, which is concerning. Right. Meanwhile, Darnold is a beast. Ronald Jones can get it done if they don't have Davis this week. Darnold had 16 passing touchdowns and two interceptions in October. That's really awfully good for a he guy just who just started. Yeah, and like also USC. How how do you not start that guy? Like you you really watch that in practice and just said no thank you. Uh, nothing against Max Brownie Brown whatever, but Darnold Darnold's really really good. 8.9 yards per pass, almost uh, 
more than two-thirds of his passes completed. So, yeah, I think Juju gets multiple touchdowns in this one after somehow not scoring any of the five thrown last week. I think uh, Justin Davis is coming back, too. So, I mean, that, that oh, helps the run okay. game. It, it probably hurts, like, the, as far as, like, your fantasy value if you have, like, a Ronald Jones. Uh, but I still think – I would imagine both of them can still put up, you know, like, close to 80 yards apiece. That's yeah, they'll they'll really kill each other's ceilings, but uh yeah, they'll they'll be effective in the meantime and yeah, USC's defense is quite a lot better than Oregon's. Yeah, so I mean, you got a Dory Jackson locking up uh whoever Oregon sends out that way and uh I think is I think his name is like Jack Jones or something. Uh he's a and uh, Iman Marshall. There are a couple, you know, because you watch USC and you you know Adoree Jackson on that defense, but there are some other really impressive guys in that secondary. I was really impressed by this one that, that this one tackle that Jones made against uh, one of the Cal receivers last week. He like it's it was a kind of tackle that you don't see a cornerback make, like just absolutely lit him up uh, coming out of the backfield. Uh, so it might have actually been a running back. Actually, now I think of it, but you know. It's like, dang, these guys are physical, and they're really talented, and, and they're uh, only getting better. Oh, sorry. Uh, Darnold has 10 touchdowns on his last uh, 57 passes. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, USC is going to score a ton of points, and they're going to be able to stifle Oregon's offense, at least to an extent. So I'd imagine USC. Uh, USC's just got a lot of momentum right now. I really like them. Uh, so I think that they're going to be able to to beat up on Oregon pretty good here. Uh, let's see here. We got Iowa going to Penn State. Penn State, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Penn State getting a lot of love right now. They're like 12th in the rankings. What? Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that yeah, that spread sounds like a lot to me. I mean, Saquon's great and he, you're close to automatic. McSorley's been okay this year, but I think I'll take Iowa to cover that. Like, Penn State's run defense had been pretty bad this year. And uh, as long as, as Kirk Ferentz doesn't conspire to, to keep down the, the great Akram Wadley. Base Wad. Yeah, Base Wad should get going. LaShawn Daniels should get going. I don't think Penn State covers that. I don't think so either. I mean, I, I keep calling the, the letdown game for them, or I'm going to keep calling the letdown game until I really, really truly believe that 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 Ohio State game was a showing of that you know they have talent and in, in coaching to truly match up with Ohio State rather than like sneak up on them after a bye week uh when when Ohio State had to like knock down drag it out against Wisconsin the previous week uh so not a ton of faith in Penn State and I think Iowa is coming off a bye correct yes, so they're yeah, going to be a little bit healthier so that helps uh I, yeah I think they definitely keep it within a touchdown here um last one of these uh we got Washington uh, maybe they're feeling a little disrespected being outside looking in. Uh, Seventeen point favorites at Cal. Yeah. So the only question is like, what kind of volume will that defense allow? Uh, I don't think Cal can slow Washington's offense at all. Nope. Uh, I'll t- I'll take Washington to cover that. This this seems like the kind of setting where I think Davis Webb's turnover proneness shows up. And that's all it takes is is right. to get that seventeen points. We still yeah. don't know about Chad Hansen, do we? Uh, no, so I'm guessing he was dealing with a high ankle sprain, and this set of bone bruise too in that area. Oh, okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, an ankle injury that keeps you out for a month—that's that's either a high ankle sprain or like a just really bad one that's like bordering a break, probably. Mm-hmm. So I think he should be back for this one, based on like a month out. Uh, but we'll have to follow that up. And even though no no California beat writers think to seem seem to think that seem that's worth reporting on. 
Uh, we'll we'll try to best to find it anyway. But yeah, 17 points. Is, the issue for me is just like Washington will be automatic. I would be surprised if they punt two times in this game. Yeah, they're they're just going to be able to move the ball at will. And I think uh, the you know knowing that they're number five now, they know that they need to they, they need to put in impressive efforts week in week out in order to keep uh, their playoff hopes alive. Uh, before we get into this week's big games, we have a message from our friends over at Fan Clash Trivia. If you love to play fantasy football and think you know more than the rest of the sports world about it, we have a website for you. Put that fantasy knowledge to the test on Fan Clash Trivia, the number one sports trivia site for cash and prizes. Rotowire has teamed up with FanClash.com to bring you NFL Week 9 and 10 trivia with cash on the line. Rotowire will be running free contests on Fan Clash against Rotowire experts on November 9th and November 15th. Again, it's a free contest for all Rotowire users with cash prizes on the line. Reserve your spot now, and you will compete against Rotowire's own Kevin Payne on November 9th to see who really knows the most about NFL trivia from all the NFL's Week 9 action. Cash prizes go to the top 100 scores, and the top 5 also win free 6-month Rotowire subscriptions. Go to fanclash.com slash rotowire to sign up now. All right, so moving on, we got a couple of big games here. Like no, nothing uh, as as rich as what we've seen in the past couple weeks, as far as you know. Like we got three or four matchups with top twelve teams, um, but we do have a couple here. Uh, we got Nebraska going to Ohio State. Uh, so I said I'd definitely take them to cover. Uh, I would I would say that if it was still at the opening line of twelve and a half, it looks like it's up to seventeen. Ooh, uh, yeah. that's that's a lot. That's a little bit too much. For I don't me. trust Ohio State that much right now. Right now, no. Uh, seventeen, no. Twelve and a half, yes. Some, I see them winning like by exactly thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's probably the best way of looking at it. I think Nebraska is going to be uh, pretty tired out after after last week's game. Uh, you know, but they have to feel pretty good about themselves because that was the first like real team that they've played. And I I was I, I think both of us expected Wisconsin to kind of match them by a little bit more, but we also think that Wisconsin kind of shot itself in the foot at times with that. Uh, Nebraska obviously going to need to need to key in on stopping the run and try to make Barrett uh, beat them with with throws down the field. Um, we'll have to see if Barrett's up to the challenge because you know his, his sort of Heisman uh, status that that I was touting up earlier in no the year more. seems to be uh, dead and gone, unfortunately. So Ohio State really needs to needs to get itself right and in a hurry because there's only a few weeks left until they play Michigan for basically the de facto championship of the East in the Big Ten, unless somehow Penn State like just sneaks in the back door and gets there. But I don't think either of us think that's going to happen. And then. Probably the biggest game, uh, LSU hosting Alabama. Yeah, I'll take Alabama to cover eight and a half. It opened at seven, so I would have preferred that, but eight and a half I'll take. I know you mentioned that you like Leonard Fournette this week, despite the the seemingly you know apocalyptic matchup of I Alabama. Uh, I I can't quite share it. It's fine. If only because it's like it, it's just um, easy for me to imagine this going very wrong for LSU because I still think Etling's really bad. Oh yeah, they're totally one dimensional. Yeah, and Alabama, I <laughs> LSU's defense is quite good. I obviously like Dave Aranda a lot, but Alabama's just kind of so talented. They've got so much depth that at a running back, receiver, Jalen Hurts is getting hot. Uh, yeah, I can't see LSU covering. I do think. It- I do think Fournette's going to have a good game. I think uh, what we saw from him against Ole Miss and sort of, you know, he Berserk. he had missed like three out of four games 
and then just you know he was fire and brimstone uh against against the rebs and i think last year probably left a bad taste in his mouth because if you remember this exact time last year the the Fournette Heisman train was like the most foregone conclusion thing I think I've ever seen in my entire life. And I I was I got the sense back then I was like, you know, this game's in Tuscaloosa. I think that that I didn't call it like Derrick Henry on the other side of the coin was gonna was gonna basically steal the Heisman from his arms and go for two hundred ten and three touchdowns. But I did feel like Fournette was gonna struggle because there was literally nothing else that LSU was able to do on offense. Uh some people on ESPN have, have said like, oh, you know, like they have this threat of throwing the ball more than twenty yards down the field. Still don't know if I totally buy that, but I still think that Fournette is back all the way and I think he's gonna be looking for revenge and I think he's gonna be able to have a good game. I yeah. still think Bama wins though. He is nothing less than demonic against Mississippi, but yeah, I I f- I hope they give him the ball so he can, you know, give give Alabama a, a fair shot at, at at losing. But I I think Etling undermines him, and yep. uh, in the meantime, yeah, unless unless Hurts, which could happen, Hurts could be, uh, you know, a freshman on the road against a really really loud. Yeah, it's hard to win in Death Valley. At so night. yeah, if he turns it over a couple times, that's how they cover. But I still I still think Alabama wins by you know matching the the, the turnover column. Yeah, I think yeah, I think they will be able to force some turnovers and and you know, even if they don't turn LSU's offense over, they'll do something on special teams, they'll block a punt or something. Right, I mean, yeah, I, exactly. I don't know did I forget, did they keep their streak alive against A&M of of non-offensive touchdowns? Is it like at 10 now or that I am not gone. aware. But either way, the fact that they did that is just terrifying. Um so I think both of us think that the Tide win um, probably cover as well. Mario definitely thinks he'll cover. Uh, I'm still a little bit on the fence, but I do think Fournette is going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, so moving into the season-long discussion a little bit here. Um, so, yeah, in season-long, uh, I, I mentioned earlier for the Thursday or whatever slate, uh, Dorian Brown was going wild for Ohio. You mentioned him in your article. So he's one of the top running back plays this week, uh, just in a vacuum. So I, I really like him, uh, regardless of what kind of format you're in. Uh, Nick Gray's our other our other um, season long um, roster management guy. He's he's got the waiver wire article, whereas John has the start sit. Uh, Nick pointed out James Flanders at Tulsa. Uh, he's kind of a guy who should be owned in most leagues right now. We don't know what his situation is exactly because D'Angelo Brewer missed last week with an ankle mm-hmm. that he picked up basically because of getting like ninety carries in two games before that. <laughs> Oops. So, yeah, Flanders and, and Brewer look like they're going to split things whenever Brewer's ready to go. But uh, Flanders had 249 yards, five touchdowns last week against Memphis. So uh, you don't just bench a guy after that. Uh, Nick also pointed out James Proch at SMU. He's got an up-tempo matchup this week against Memphis. It's not an easy matchup, but they might run a lot of plays. And Proch also looks like a good player, not just Cortland Sutton there anymore. Um, but, yeah, John, is there anybody in your article that you wanted to highlight? Uh, let's see here. Uh, Will Worth, uh, Navy's quarterback. He's I mean, it's nuts. never like a, never like a terrible idea to to uh, you know own an option quarterback. But I think especially against a team like Notre Dame that can that uh, can be run on. Uh, I think that Worth espe- draws an especially nice matchup here. I think Notre Dame's defense has been like a little bit 
less horrifying since since Brian Van Gorder got fired, and they they really did actually hold Miami to 18 yards of total uh, rushing last week, which was uh, one of the more mind boggling you know kind of bottom line stat lines that I saw. But I still think that Worth is going to be able to get it done. He's you know he gets so many touches, and then uh, he, he's actually been able to throw the ball slightly more than you'd expect yeah, from, and, a, from a Navy quarterback. And actually, if you're if you're in a season long league and you look like you're going to make the playoffs, definitely pick up Worth if he's available because. If, if you're worried about the Notre Dame matchup, which you really shouldn't be, after that, uh, Worth could easily be a, a league winner quarterback because he has three super high-tempo matchups against defenses that he should have success against, Tulsa, East Carolina, SMU. Um, so if you can get him in those matchups, those, each of those could be like 35-plus f- points for him. And then, yeah, absolutely. And then on the other side of the coin, um, worried about Turpin, you know, not not – for Turpin's sake, per se, it's right. just, you know, kind of echoing what we said earlier, just TCU is a graveyard right now. You know, when you when your coach is, isn't sure if he wants to play Kenny Hill or Fo- Foster Sawyer, then, uh, you know, nobody wins, basically. Hope. Yeah, so uh, that's a problem. Uh, sorry for the, all the Turpin owners that held on to him through his injury. And then uh, Akram Wadley of Iowa, uh, you know, there have been some reports that he's going to be used at, at – as a slot guy, so I guess that means that LaShawn Daniels is going to see most of the work out of the backfield now officially, even though Wadley is uh, quantifiably the like the more effective player uh, on, a, on a per-carry basis. I mean, he basically matches Daniels' yardage total on the year on, on a ton less carries. Uh, he's the only explosive guy they have on that offense now that Matt Vandenberg uh, is out for the season, so I think that's why they're moving him out to slot, just to kind of maybe get the ball to him in space and create a little bit more on the outside, but uh, d- does it seamlessly transition against Penn State immediately just after a bye week? I, I don't really see it happening. Right. Uh, if you are looking for running back help, though, there's another guy, Rico Doddle at South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick also pointed him out. This week he gets Missouri, who just gave up like 900 yards to Stanley Williams and Benny Snell at Kentucky. So Rico Doddle should have a nice game this week. Uh yeah, never know with South Carolina's management of their skill position guys, but he has all the momentum and the matchup couldn't be any better. Uh, another running back, I just had a mental note about uh, some running back that uh, some running back situation that needed noting. Um, let's see, Jeremy Cox, I believe. Mm-hmm. Last week, Lowry took back over. Cox was pushed to the periphery as the clear backup, and Lowry is really good. I think he's a future NFL back. Right. Uh, in his first game with with twelve plus over twelve carries. Last week against UTEP, Lowry went for 131 yards and two touchdowns and seven carries. Uh, he has a history of scoring touchdowns at a really high rate. And uh, this week, he, he should get going again, too, against uh, Marshall, who's been really bad on defense for some reason. Old Dominion is favored by 11? Holy yes. crap. Yeah. That'll never happen, ever. <laughs> yeah, oh when do you see that against like, a team like Marshall that has like a bit of history behind it? Right, like Marshall had that one game in like week two where they were like heavy favorites, and we were like, yeah, they're probably going to do that. And then fast forward a month, it's like, can they cover eight and a half, they, 11 against Old Dominion? They, are they going to be able to compete with Old Dominion? So, yeah, if Ray Lowry was dropped, you go get him because he's he's a star when, when he's getting the work. Nice. That's a good call because I, I was starting to worry about what his status was, um, you know, moving forward. Or, you know, is is Cox just going to be able to kind of seize a, seize a workload to where once Lowry is healthy, are they going to be, you know, splitting and then just kind right. of killing each other's ceilings, which is an excellent phrase that you coined earlier. Yeah, and Lowry's just like Cox seems good, but Lowry is really good. He's yep. he's been spectacular the first time they gave him the ball, so he's 
He's going to keep that job as long as he's healthy, I think. I think so, too. Is there any uh, last uh, little season-long uh, nuggets you'd like to pass along before we sign off here? Uh, nothing really. Really quickly, I like the Alan Zay Staggers call that you made of Thank Southern you. Michigan Charlotte. Uh, he, he's got a high ceiling. And uh, Otherwise, though, that's yeah, that's about it. That's yeah, all he, I got. He's kind of like putting up this like very similar numbers to what Mike Thomas was able to do last year, so definitely like that. And then uh, I, I personally like... You know, if you have either uh, Minnesota running back this week going against Purdue, please use them and use them wisely because Smith or Brooks are both going to be able to just. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them have 18 or more carries and well over 100 yards and a touchdown each. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a genius for saying it, but uh, Purdue's bad. So. Uh, it's okay to to use players against them. But uh, that's pretty much all I've got. So until next week, I'm John McKechnie. Uh, I'm Mario Puig. And this was the Wednesday Roto-Wire Football Podcast, the college edition, brought to you by Wix.com and Fan Clash. We will talk to you for week 11. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.